The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with RotoWire.com's lead prospect writer, James Anderson. James, going to be talking about your latest farm futures, also a little bit more about the draft. Your amateur board was a topic of conversation for a couple weeks, and really great work there. Uh, down to five rounds officially for uh, June's draft. Yeah, it's a pretty big bummer. Um, a lot of kind of depressing stuff uh baseball related coming out over these past this past week or so uh just in terms of uh seems like owners are really trying to use this opportunity to screw over the players as much as possible which is a big shame and that definitely is part of that that draft situation i mean mm-hmm. it's very easy for the teams and like i think you could say largely that cutting it down to five rounds isn't going to have a noticeable short-term impact on the amount of talent these teams are able to 
get into their organization. Uh, it's, it's fairly rare for a player that goes outside of the top 160 picks to become a big time prospect. I mean, it, it happens in every draft, but uh, it's not like there are dozens and dozens of guys that go outside of that range that become quality big leaguers. Uh, the, the thing that I'm most upset about and the thing that I worry about long term is just this really hurting baseball from a popularity standpoint and from a representation standpoint, because there's just not going to be like it, the, the barrier to entry for baseball is already like it, it's so cost prohibitive for so many families, um, like how much it costs to be uh, on the travel circuit when you're a high school player and stuff like that. And if there is, you know, there, there are dozens of guys that get six figure bonuses every year in the draft to buy them away from uh, commitments to go play football somewhere or, you know, go, go play college baseball, that type of thing. Um, and you're, you're just taking opportunities away from kids that are now just not even going to consider baseball as a, as a future uh, job for them. I mean, they're just, it's, it's really kind of sad in that regard. I think you're just going to um, continue to make this a, only rich kids can play it type of sport. And, um, that's, that's pretty sad. Yeah. That's a real bummer. I, man, there are a lot of things going on trying to stay positive, but yeah, it's like the game is going to suffer. And you know, the whole Michael Jordan last dance watching that. And like the game used to be popular amongst everybody. And, um, people used to love baseball and they're just doing themselves a big disservice in the sport. Uh, right now, and yeah, so many. I saw somebody tweet like, with this down to five rounds, you might as well buy a billboard that says, you know, play another sport after Little League. You know, it's just terrible. Um, but yeah, Jordan, like, he loved baseball so much that he wanted to go from hoops to baseball, and uh, the transition was not great, but like, you know, he hit what 200 at double a and it seems like that whole structure may be gone before long yeah i think that that's uh that's sad i mean it, it's it's one thing when you're telling a bunch of 24 25 26 27 year olds that aren't re- realistic future big leaguers that they can't continue to chase that dream uh, once they've already kind of established the fact that they're not future big leaguers, but it's, it's another thing to tell 16, 17 year old kids that they can't chase that dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's kind of a, a bigger bummer to me. I mean, you're, you're definitely going to see all, a lot of changes on the minor league side with regards to affiliates. I mean, I think they're cons- going to consolidate kind of across the board, uh, to, to get rid of a bunch of quote-unquote non-prospects um and that that won't really affect uh the game in a major way uh it's 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 a bummer but um i think it's a bigger bummer that you're really making this kind of an elitist sport i mean it's kind of turning into like golf where you just where your parents rich enough to pay for you to go on these travel teams uh where your parents rich enough for you to uh accept not a life-changing sum of money to, to join the pro ranks. I mean, that that's that's the sad part. Yeah, and these kids this year specifically worked so hard. It's like if you're not in that elite top five-round range, you're just 
SOL completely. Like those guys were in for a big payday. Now they're looking at twenty thousand max, right after round five. So, yeah, it's a real bummer. Um, my heart goes out to those kids who worked out, worked so hard, and yeah, the the game is not in the best place. Um, I did hear, you know, watching some KBO though, they were discussing the impact too, just in terms of baseball strategy and whatnot. And they said, you know, a lot of these picks, and I think you've alluded to it too will probably be skewed toward the college side and guys that they have more information on. Uh, a lot of college guys going in this first in these five rounds coming up. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, it's you know college arms. That's that's where it's going to be in this draft. I mean, I think there's just so many of them uh, that they're going to populate a lot of the second round and third round picks. Uh, there's just there's such a high bust rate on prep pitching and prep hitting. Like you you look at a lot of the high school hitters that have gone in the top twenty, top thirty in recent drafts. I mean, there's there's a pretty big bust rate uh, just because it's so hard to evaluate the hit tool of an amateur player. Um, you know, you can see them at these showcases, and you you just don't get to see them play a ton of high caliber competition when they're not at the the showcases and and even then i mean there's a big difference between ambushing a 95 mile hour fastball at an under armor event and and hanging in there over a full season against pitchers that can spin all kinds of junk at you and uh, so that's that's a risky subset risky uh high school pitchers are are incredibly risky uh, for obvious reasons um so i think it's just it's much safer to go the college route where you just have so much more data to work with in terms of uh, evaluating these guys. They're going to be able to move quicker, help the big league team quicker. Um, and then if you, you want to dabble in some high risk guys, you know, maybe one guy in your, your draft class, two guys in your draft class, you, you can roll the dice, but I, I just think it's, it's so much safer to, to use those resources on, on college guys. Yeah, I think it was Kylie McDaniel who was on the broadcast, and he mentioned, you know, the college guys who you your formulas can predict better, they'll be going with those picks most likely, a lot of them. And, it's yeah, it seems like an obvious result of, of them shortening, but I thought it was kind of interesting. And Kylie McDaniel also mentioned that Bake Ho Gong of KT Wiz pretty impressive 20 year old said he'd go in the top half maybe of the first round he'd be a first rounder if draft eligible i just thought that was kind of interesting because he's a sounds like a legitimate prospect on the road big leg kick ton of power um didn't hit a ton of homers last year but they de-juiced the ball and um when he runs into one it's pretty crazy uh james your latest farm futures is uh in the hopper should be up by the time most people are listening uh, to this show prospects in the 176 to 200 range. So continuing the ranking dilemma series. Um, and the first name on the list, Miguel Vargas, pretty big riser from around the 350 range to 176. What do you like so much about Miguel Vargas? Yeah. So this, uh, this kind of range right here, 176 to 180, uh, with the exception of Oswald Peraza, these these are all bat first guys where it's just they're they're not going to provide much value at all defensively, uh, but they have a chance to be really impactful hitters. Uh, Vargas 
is a guy where I th- sometimes this happens where a user or like a subscriber will be like, Hey, like what, what's up with, why is he so far down or why is this guy not higher? That type of thing. And, uh, that happened with Vargas. Like I, you know, it's, it's obviously a lot of work to, uh, get the 400 as accurate as possible. Uh, and that was one where someone just was like, Hey, why, why is he all the way down in the three hundreds? I was like, yeah, I don't, why is he all the way down in the three hundreds? Like he's a, he's a really good hitter. Uh, I have significant concerns about the, the righty righty guys who are corner only and might, uh, struggle to handle third base or right field. But, uh, the reports on Vargas are that he's improving as a defender at third base. Um, the body is already kind of maxed out. Uh, probably only figures to, to get worse as he, as he gets older. But um, I think the, the concerns of him, him ending up as a ready-ready first baseman or a DH are not as severe as they were uh, maybe a year ago. And obviously the, the bat has a chance to be pretty special i mean he could be a plus hitter with above average or plus power so um still a little bit worried about the the body and the defense but he's a guy that needed to be quite a bit higher than i had him at the end of the season that's what's so great about rotowire you know james you can log into the comments you listen to your feedback and yeah you know let us know if i'm overlooking somebody maybe and james maybe not giving a prospect enough love let us know and we'll reevaluate. Uh, I like the communication we have with our with our customer base, James. I'm proud of what we do in the content side and the customer service, just keeping you know very open lines of communication. So yeah, let us know if we're missing something. I've certainly been guilty of that. I know somebody was on me for uh, having Jorge Alfaro too low, and I'm not an Alfaro guy, but yes, I you know I need to be. You know, I need somebody to hold and, me accountable, James. I mean, it, it happens more than some people might think. Like I like it's uh, easy to do it. I mean, I think I think our our customers are or at least the ones that that reach out to me like are are really smart. I mean, they they know their stuff, and I I would say, you know, obviously I get plenty of people on Twitter or whatever in the comments that that might say something I disagree with, um, and I just kind of explain to them why I disagree, but. But they're rarely uh, like really nasty, you know. Nasty. Oh no, yeah, no, 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 for sure. I mean, it, it's all very, um, you know, pleasant conversations and stuff like that. But I mean, it, I, I happen, you know, probably more than a dozen times a year, someone will be like, "Hey, like, what about this guy? What about this guy?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, you got a point." And so um, I definitely welcome all that feedback. Yeah, there's a lot of just toxic conversation going on. It's good to just have a rational you know, convo about things when, when these things come up and that's our, our fan base our user base is very smart. Um, and yeah, I totally agree with that. James we might as well address the elephant in the room a little down a little ways. Jonathan India, <laughs> uh, from 59 down to one ninety one. It's just, it doesn't pass the eye test for one of the, the bats. I think he, he must have taken some yeah in spring training because I saw him recently, or maybe that was the fall league. Did we see him in the fall league? Yeah, um, it's kind of it's funny. I actually saw him go yard in the fall league, and I still came away extremely unimpressed. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look. He just doesn't look the part of a future big league regular. 
it's that you know he was a big miss for me um i had a couple big misses in the 2018 first year player draft class uh victor victor mesa being the biggest but jonathan india uh right there with him um he you know i i was a sucker i was duped by his his notorious uh junior year at florida uh you know i just really thought he had pretty explosive actions i thought he was going to be able to provide value with the glove all over the diamond um i thought he was going to have big time pull side power and i thought he was going to be kind of a sneaky contributor on the bases maybe maybe 10 to 12 steals that type of thing and yeah after seeing him in the fall league his body has just gone in the complete wrong direction since he got drafted just does not have the sort of agility in the in the hips that I that I thought he had at, at Florida so he might be able to handle third base but he, I don't think he'll be like a above average defender there so the bat has to do a lot of the work and um, I know you know it took me seeing him in the AFL to really kind of admit I was wrong about him um, because it, that's why I still had him, like you said, in the in the top sixty at the end of the season. Because I mean, he he was posting high walk rates, um, strikeout rates were under control. I mean, he'd been hitting in some pretty um, pitcher friendly environments, but uh, just did does not have a you know he the walk rates. That doesn't always mean the guy has a, a great idea what he's doing at the plate. It might just mean he's being a little passive. And uh, I just, yeah, I just don't see an impactful hitter. I mean, I think he could maybe be uh, a utility type of guy. Um, but yeah, I just, on that, that Reds team, I just don't see how he breaks in as an everyday guy for them. And you mentioned that last year at Florida. That was really a, a big, uh, in, in stark contrast, I guess, from from his other seasons at, at that school, right? Like it was kind of like he was okay. Then he exploded that senior year and it seemed like a little out of nowhere, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, he was a known guy as a, as a prep before he got to Florida, but yeah, the, his freshman and sophomore seasons were certainly not first round worthy. And then that junior year he was, he put up like the best numbers in college baseball and got him picked pretty high. Uh, by the Reds. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice, kind enough way for you to phrase it. I mean, that's hard, you know, it's softening the blow a little bit, but it's uh, not looking great, especially because Suarez, too, they signed that extension. He's under contract through 2024. I just, you know, obviously, Suarez could get hurt or uh, he led the majors in the K's last year. Maybe the skills fall apart eventually, but yeah, I'm with you. I just don't see a path for him because he can't really play, he can't play second, can he? I guess he could maybe could. I mean, I, you know, there's, uh, I think there's some school of thought that you need less range at second base these days than you need at third base, uh, just given the shifts. But, uh, I mean, Mike Vistocks is playing second base. I don't think a lot of people would have thought that would be a possibility a couple of years ago. But, um, you, you, you know, you have Suarez, Moose, and Nick Senzel, all three of which can handle. Uh, third base and then two of which can handle second base so I mean you're you're quickly running out of places where India would ever really make sense as an everyday guy yeah, you look at that roster right now a lot of just extra parts and uh, yeah I feel like India is probably just going to be one of them eventually just a guy who yeah utility maybe moves around a little bit bench guy but 
not what you wanted if you've been rostering him in dynasty leagues. That's uh, you know, the, the ranking's still not horrible. I mean, he's still a hold in most leagues. I guess deeper leagues, dynasty leagues, but borderline in some shallower ones. Up, back up the list a little ways. Corbin Martin has jumped back up the list. Is that mostly like his proximity? You know, he was hurt, so the proximity has changed, and now he's back up just because he's trending back in the right direction health wise. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're we're now uh, almost ten months away, ten ten months removed from when he had Tommy John surgery, uh, which you know, time flies, kind of. I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago, and. Uh, like, just yesterday that he was getting the call up and making his debut. Yeah, he's a guy that you know you don't have to be a dynasty league player to know who Corbin Martin was. He was a, a huge deal on Fabapalooza as the top pitcher. Uh, there were obviously a bunch of hitters that that were up that week, and he was the prize on the pitching side. He got inside my top sixty overall, and I think you know that that was a horrible debut for him, but. Uh, the arm injury, you know, I, I'm willing to give him a bit of a pass, a bit of a mulligan there. Um, maybe shouldn't have gotten inside my top 60, but I, I definitely think he deserved to be a top 100 prospect at the time of his promotion. And I still think he's got number three starter upside. And I, I like the situation in Arizona. He gets to the national league. He gets, uh, really good up the middle defense behind him, and the longer that we go without baseball, the closer he gets to to returning. And just given the time of when he had the surgery, he'll report to spring training in 2021. I think uh, really fresh and really ready to kind of get set loose there. So um, just don't forget about Corbin Martin. I think he definitely needs to be in the top 200. And um, you know, I, I think it's. It's a mistake to just look at that that tiny sample uh, when he did get the call last year and say that he he's not going to amount to to much. I mean, I think he's still a very legitimate starting pitching prospect. Nice. And this phrase gets thrown around a little too much, but Fabapalooza does seem like a lifetime ago. I mean, <laughs> come on. It, yeah. <laughs> I don't have much else to add, but gosh, man, it's just like you know, thinking back and. To this time last year, you'd be in that routine, the grind of a fan- fantasy baseball season. Doing fab I mean, how much every do you weekend. miss? How much do you miss doing fab, man? I, I'd love to just like it. It gets to be a grind during the season, but I'd I'd kill for just a Sunday night of, yeah. of hours worth of fab research, man. It I'd would do be just so great. about anything for you. <laughs> a four oh. four hour fab block, <laughs> um, just to grind and, and log some bids, duplicate some lists, you know. Um, but swap out the drop you know what I mean so especially because the NFPC has made it so much more intuitive in recent years Uh, I I would I miss the grind James I really do Uh, you know I've actually had a little bit of success in KBO though recently how how do you like that Um, (laughs) and by that that just means I'm slightly less in the red (laughs) with this whole KBO venture but getting back to even (laughs) slowly but surely do you, uh, I, how often do you play? I've been playing every night, man. My sleep schedule's totally off now. Nice. I've been sleeping like noon to well, eight. I PM. I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you making time for the the media that we do uh, oh, in North. I mean, I'm very lucky. I just, and, you know, I figured let's just dive into it. Let's 
it's not half-ass, and, and I'm proud of what everybody's doing to cover the KBO because, heck, it's the only show in town right now, and um, I think our crew's doing a really, really great job, and it's at least something baseball to sink your teeth into. So I'm, I'm trying to have fun with it. But back to your list here, James. Jeremiah Jackson, fairly significant fall over the last year. What's uh, behind that fall for Jackson? Yeah, that fall came when I did his uh, outlook for the magazine. He set a Pioneer League record in, in home runs last year. And so that, you know, he was a guy that I really liked in the draft. Quick twitch, middle infielder, chance for some power, some speed, uh, really quick bat. But, uh, you know, you you – Definitely can't fall in love with Pioneer League numbers. And when you kind of dig in on what he was doing last year, it was really a, an all-or-nothing approach, uh, an approach that I really don't think would translate to much success in like a league like the Midwest League. Um, I just I think he would be very susceptible there. He was striking out a third of the time, uh, was hitting just a, a ton of fly balls, um, really really pull heavy i just i think it was a ton of noise in those numbers and um 340 iso is really nice but you know a lot of guys have put up crazy numbers in the pioneer league uh and then done pretty much nothing after that and so i'm a little bit worried about that with jackson he's still 20 years old he just turned 20 um he's got some tools so i'm not closing the book on him by any by any means but i definitely had him way too high uh just based on that that crazy summer yet nice and isaac paredes a little bit down the, the list 189 so that's you know about 50 spots 55 spots uh, down from where he was at the end of last season you caution that you may be a little too low but you look at him and you see all floor no ceiling we've talked about how that could be a fallacy in the past you know we label guys as that and then there there is that ceiling that we didn't expect, but you feel pretty confident that Paredes just doesn't have that next level. No, because he's five eleven, two twenty five, and there's there's some whispers that he might be a couple years older than his listed age of twenty one. Uh, he his hard hit rate, like so, you have to start looking at him. Like I know he played some shortstop last year, but come on, he's not going to play shortstop. Um, you have to start looking at him as a third baseman at best, maybe a first baseman or DH down the road. And to qualify or to be an impactful guy at those positions, you really got to do some damage and did not have an impressive hard hit rate last year, just 22%. Uh, and he's just, he's been more kind of hit and on base than power. And I don't really see him getting like, I think for him to become like a really interesting fantasy guy, he probably needs to get to at least 25 Homer pop. Maybe he gets there, but I don't think he gets there anytime soon. And so there's there's definitely something to be said for a guy that's close to the majors that, that could hit for a fairly high average, pretty solid OBP. And, you know, on that team, he might that might be good enough to get him a spot in the top third of that order. But uh, I would just rather use, personally, I'd rather use a, a roster spot on a more high risk, high reward type of guy. Like even if that, even if that's like a pitcher who's a couple of years away or a position player who's only played in the Dominican summer league, I would just, I'd rather swing for the fences than take someone like Paredes who 
in 15 team leagues, I mean, that production might be something you could find on waivers in 20 team leagues. He's, he's probably going to be a guy that gets started, but is he a guy that's going to get started by a team that wins your dynasty league? I, I doubt it. So I just, there's not enough ceiling there for me, just given the body, he's not going to run at all. I, I don't think there are enough signs that an impact power is coming with him. So uh, just a little lower on him than a lot of people. And Aaron Shunk, another guy who you warned, you may be too low on, He's a guy who who would seem to have some ceiling, especially in that organization, but you just don't trust the Rockies, and um, it just looks like it's going to be a, a little bit of a log jam with, with some of these guys. Yeah, I, I think he profiles to me as a really solid third baseman of the future for them. The problem is you got guys like Ryan Velotti who are probably going to beat him to the majors, Brendan Rodgers, Ryan McMahon are both going to be guys that are capable of third base if if and when they trade Nolan Arenado. Uh, so you just, you never know. I mean, like in a normal org, Shunk could be there in like two years. Uh, but the way the Rockies do things, even if he's big league ready in two years, he probably won't be given an everyday shot in two years. Um, I mean, there, there could be a turnover in the front office before then. I would, I would probably expect that to happen, but um I think I'm already pretty aggressive on Shunk, having him in the top 200, so I'm just kind of pumping the brakes a little bit, just given the context. Very nice. And right behind him, James Caprillion. He's jumped up quite a ways. Uh, another guy who was hurt, and then you know he's back on the, the right path with his health. And uh, when can we expect to see James Caprillion? Obviously, we don't know with no ma- minor league season, probably, but... Uh, is he a guy who could maybe be ready to contribute to the major league club within the next calendar year or so? I I think he'll pitch in the majors if, if we have a season this year. Yeah. I think he. I mean, he's on the forty man. There, you know, he's obviously dealt with a ton of arm injuries, and he's he handled. You know, he had a one start at AAA last year. I just think everybody that's on the forty man that is. Uh, close to big league ready is going to get cycled in uh, by, especially by teams like the A's that are contending. So it might not be in a starting role, but uh, Caprillion's a guy where I think I think you want to start using those bullets at the big league level because you just never know when his next injury is going to take place. Uh, it could just be like as a long reliever, low leverage type of guy, but I don't see why he wouldn't get innings in the majors given his place on the forty man roster. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, yeah, he, we, he's a guy we saw in the fall league a few years ago before he got hurt. Uh, hoping the best for him, and yeah, hoping we get baseball uh, this year. Uh, down the ways, Tyler Stevenson, obviously catching prospects. I imagine we'll see him, but uh, we'll see. I, you know, they have a little bit invested in Tucker Barnhart, so. I don't know if they want to fully take the reins off him, but performance may dictate that they have to. Uh, Zach Thompson went from not ranked to up inside the top 200, 197. What did you spot with Zach Thompson that made you decide, i got to bump this guy up? Yeah, I mean, I, I caution I might have bumped him up too high. Um, he's, he's a lot like Caprillion where I didn't – I wasn't high on him in the draft last year because of – just some durability concerns, some injury issues he had in college. Uh, I think he, they might have used him a little bit too much uh, his, his junior year, but um, he is back. He's healthy. He 
pitched well, uh, albeit in, in short stints last year. And so, I mean, the, the stuff, I mean, it, it's number three starter stuff pretty easily. He's a big lefty, uh, low to mid-90s fastball, plus curveball, chance for a plus slider, uh, throws a, a solid changeup. So all the stuff is there. And, I mean, he's in a great organization. Uh, the Cardinals have a really good track record of developing pitching. So uh, there's a lot working in his favor. Um, but, like, if he gets hurt, <laughs> if he gets hurt again sometime soon – I'll probably be kicking myself for for doing such a big swing on him, but uh, he could move pretty quickly. I mean, I, I don't think the Cardinals are going to let him languish in the minors, just given that track record. I and mean, he's pretty advanced, so um, I think he's a good guy to take a gamble on in deeper leagues. Nice. Well, this was really good stuff, as always. And I mentioned your amateur board. You got separate sets of dynasty rankings coming to the site for contenders and for rebuilding teams. All kinds of stuff in the works. What else you want to mention here on the show, James, before we move on to the hip-hop draft? Um, well, did you want to touch on those arms? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you had an idea to kind of over the next several weeks do a little bit of a draft feature each week. Yeah, I thought that... You know, I know that's what what's on a lot of people's minds, and we are moving into the portion of my top 400 where a lot of people listening are probably in dynasty leagues where they don't necessarily have to worry about guys outside of the top 200. So I thought it'd be good to have just something else in there every week. And uh, I think this week we'll touch on three college starters that I'm higher on than most and three college starters I'm lower on than most. And then next week we can do prep arms week after that we can do college hitters and then we can do prep hitters and that should get us pretty close to the draft actually. Very nice. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot about that, but yeah, so spotlight three college arms this week. We'll spotlight three college arms that you're higher on three, you're lower on and uh, starting with Chris McMahon we talked a little bit about him last week, right? Because I made the McMahon bit. Yeah, yeah. Bit. Um, I should have, I should have psyched you and like told you he was um, Vince McMahon's like grandson or something yeah. like that, just to get Chris you excited. Kennedy McMahon. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember you. You liking him, and you were he was kind of a guy who you feel pretty strongly about being higher than the pack oh, with Chris. Yeah, I, I think college college pitchers in this draft it's it you're gonna just get all kinds of varying lists like i saw um like i saw eric cross fantrax tweet out his like 10 favorite pitchers in this draft and like i only have like four or five of those guys in my top 10 and i think that that would be the case if anyone like if welsh tweeted his top 10 or ralph tweeted his top 10 like you're just not gonna get any kind of consensus and so i think this is kind of fun to um highlight which guys you know i'm i'm just higher on and mcmahon uh i mean i think it's just a really easy delivery uh easy mid-90s gas with good ride uh, i think the slider and change up for plus are gonna be plus um and he really took a step forward with his command this spring uh like the body uh just really not much to to nitpick with him and i think there are a lot of guys in this class that have significant relief risk but i i just don't think that's him i think he's a he's a no doubt starter for me very nice this next name i absolutely love slade chaconi i'm gonna go with that for the last name for now but that's a 
That's like a 70-grade name right there, Slade Ciccone. Uh James, there's this video game, a uh, baseball game called Super Mega Baseball. It's The third one's coming out. Um, and it's just a fun change of pace. You know, the MLB The Show is obviously the gold standard, but this is kind of more of an arcade You know, the games move really fast, kind of a throwback, simpler baseball game. And it has... Some awesome, you know, it's all made-up players. They don't have MLB license, so uh, all kinds of great names like Johnson Swanson, uh, Handley Dexteres, and Chade, Slade Ciccone would fit right in. Yeah, it is a great name. Uh, he's McMahon's from Miami. Uh, Ciccone's from Miami, too. I mean, I don't follow college baseball like, in terms of like which teams are good that closely at all. I just, all I care about is players, but just from all my draft research, I have to imagine Miami was in for a monster season if it hadn't gotten uh, canceled. But uh, Ciccone, man, I, I love this guy's delivery. I love his frame. Uh, it's just, there's really, I mean, it, it's kind of perfect. Like 6'4", 212. Uh, he's still just 20 years old. Um, he's had some consistency issues. Like I think from from start to start, uh, from year to year, there's been some consistency issues with him. But I uh, love the fastball. I think that's an easy plus pitch, maybe a double plus pitch. Um, I think he's got a couple secondaries with plus potential. I think the athleticism. I, I just I, I think he's going to throw strikes. I think that uh, a smart team is going to find a way to help him be a little bit more consistent and yeah i'm just i'm a huge fan of it nice and similar boat with cj van Eyck. um you like him quite a bit and he's your your third college arm that you wanted to the spotlight <laughs> yeah you know I, I typically wouldn't be that high on a guy with his walk rate in college uh the walk rate definitely sort of screams bullpen risk but I really like his delivery. I, I think that there's some untapped uh, potential there with his command. Like I, I think that he's going to eventually figure out a way to throw enough strikes to start. And the, the fastball isn't a, it's not like a upper nineties pitch, but uh, he still misses a ton of bats with it. It's got good movement. And then the curveball is, is an easy plus pitch. Uh, that could end up being a 70 grade pitch and he'll flash a plus changeup. So there's a lot to like there with Van Eyck. Uh, he's only 6'1, 205. So not the best frame for a righty, but um, I think he's down a lot of boards just because of the, the walks. But I, I just think he's got the delivery to start. I think he's eventually going to figure that part of it out. And which players did you want to talk about that you're a little bit lower on? Yeah. Um, so this this part, I mean, I you know you're you're just not when there's thirty to forty really good college starters in a class, you're just not going to see eye to eye with everyone on uh, who should be at the very top. And one guy that I'm lower on is Garrett Crochet, who uh, I know that. There's a lot of really smart people that are that are high on him. Um, he's a big lefty, six foot six, two hundred eighteen pound lefty from Tennessee, and I am not low on him uh, from a real life standpoint. I, I, you know, he might have one of the best. He definitely has one of the best fastballs in the draft. He might have the best fastball in the draft. I mean, it, it's upper nineties and 
gets such good extension on it that that's it's a monster pitch uh plus slider uh solid change up but my concern with him is that he just has not had much experience as a starting pitcher who's used a lot as a reliever in college so uh hasn't really built up the innings that that a lot of these college starters have and then you know the the walk rates aren't bad with him but six foot six i mean just there's a lot of moving parts i could see that being an issue for him in pro ball so to me the the bullpen risk with him is is pretty high and for fantasy that it's tough for me to get super excited about a guy like that i mean you know even best case scenario i think he's not going to move as quickly as a lot of these college arms just given how big he is and the the lack of um reps as a starter and then worst case scenario just he, he can't um profile really in that role and he gets moved quicker as a an impact reliever like i I, i'd like him from a real life standpoint a lot because i think there's a really nice fallback role for him as a a power reliever uh but for fantasy i'm I'm trying to get guys i feel a lot more confident in that can start and you'll you'll see crochet like in, in a lot of people's top 20s overall um he's just inside my top 50. Very nice. Well, great stuff as always. Check out the article for yourself, com slash pod, if you do not have a subscription. James, last week, uh, you know, I got sick of watching E-40 in the green room, so I took him. You went with Missy Elliott in the hip-hop draft, uh, and you are up round 13, so we're getting pretty deep into this thing. Um, only, what, like seven rounds, eight rounds to go? Seven? Uh, one, two, three, four. The teams are filling have, out. We have eight. We have eight to go. Eight to okay. go. Um, so we're we're closing in. Uh, I think this is actually. I think this is actually. Yeah, this is week thirteen. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So you are, or no? I'm up. Um. All right. So I'm gonna take Cameron to fill my two thousands spot i think that for a lot of reasons i think he he profiles perfectly as a guy to fill the 2000 spot i mean he just his whole aura his whole like sort of style and everything was just so 2000s to me uh dipset was just a a kind of a classic 2000s hip-hop uh group of guys so i wanted to fill that spot with cameron um I'm going to use the song Down and Out off of Purple Haze. Uh, not sure if he was on your radar at all, but I know a lot of the guys I'm considering uh, for the rest of my spots are not on your radar, so I just wanted to be safe and, and lock up Cameron there. Yeah, we're firmly in get-your-guys territory. And Cameron was in the mix, but yeah, I, I get that you wanted to just go out and, and make sure you got him. And so I respect that. I'm also going to be filling the 2000 spot. And it's a similar get your guy situation, you know. I was sick of watching E forty in the green room. Same deal here. I invited him to the green room and I can't just let him sit there any longer. So, James, for my two thousand spot, I'm gonna take Devin the Dude. Um now his debut album came out in ninety eight and that is a classic, but then just trying to live to the extreme, waiting to inhale and landing gear all in, in that decade. So a ton of features too. 
The New York Times has called him a brilliant oddball, James. In addition, he's been called rap's best-kept secret and your favorite rapper's favorite rapper, according to his Wikipedia page. Um, so that's all, you know, he doesn't get the love, he doesn't have that mainstream appeal, but uh, Devin the Dude is, you know, an underground legend in hip-hop. Well, you didn't have to take him here, but I'm, I'm sure I will say the same thing about um, some of your later picks. Uh, I, I have not given Devin the Dude as much spin as you'd probably like. I, I have liked a lot of his features on, on stuff, though. Yeah, he's... I mean, as a hook man, he's great, but he also can flow and rhyme. So, yeah, I'm a big Devin guy. Um, I'm going to have to pick a song, and that's going to be a little tough, though, because there's so many good ones. Um, but, yeah, Devin just, you know, he uh, he could fill a dirty south spot, but I want to keep that open. I want to keep that third dirty south spot open. I just got a Midwest spot, a Lyricist spot. Um one West Coast spot. I just felt like this was this was the time. I'm gonna have to get creative for that 2010 spot, James. I don't know. I don't even know who's in the mix. See, I've got I've got multiple guys in the mix there. I still haven't made up my mind, but I I know I don't really have to worry about uh, you sniping me necessarily on those guys. You you I might I could see I just I could see you like bending the rules a little bit on your 2010 spot. <laughs> you warned like, me that I can't. I can't do it. I would like to well, you you know, throw somebody who, you know, uh, that was, you know, in their prime a decade or two earlier. But. You could just thumb your nose up and, and just say, hey, like, Nas released an album in the 2010s. I'm picking Nas for my 2010 spot. <laughs> I'm moving them around my roster, yeah. I, I have that flexibility built into my roster, so I could do that. Um, so what song are you going with, James, this week? Uh, Down and Out. Uh, by Cameron off of Purple Haze. Nice. Um, you know, this is tough for me. Just give me one second here. Um, you know, I think I will go Doobie Ashtray. Let's just go Doobie Ashtray. Let's just fully embrace who Devin is. Nice. Um, great song. If you haven't heard it yet, shame on you. But yeah, his whole discography is really underrated. Great, great guy to see live as well. So you know, good picks, James. We're we're getting out there, and it's going to be close, I think, in the fan voting. I think between our two teams, you may have the slight edge with you know Jay Z and Snoop. Well, we'll see. I'm, I can't imagine. I can't imagine Snoop Dogg getting me a ton of votes. Like I, I might get. I think like getting Jay Z. Uh, and Biggie together will, will definitely get me a decent amount of votes. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see. I bet that might be one where we might have to leave that poll open for like a full week or something. I'll pin it to the top of my page, and then we'll have to break down the results on the, the following pod. But that, that'll be that'll be a barn burner. Yeah, that uh, Twitter battle, you know, the Twitter vote to determine the champ's going to be heated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's going to be really interesting to see. You know, people are just the people. people the people can't wait. Yeah, people they, can't wait to vote on that. It's a I, mean, I, I would. I bet. I mean, we might get. We might get over a hundred votes on that poll. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, James, always fun talking with you, man. All the best to you and the fam, and uh, thank you all for listening as well. We'll talk to you next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. <laughs>
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.